They all told me to get a college football podcast, so I did. I'm John Harris, Football Takeover. It's time for Football with Friends. That's right, you heard it right. Football Takeover has got a podcast. Finally. I know a lot of people are thinking, John, you should have been doing a podcast for years. Well, yeah. Uh, I guess you could say I've been a little busy, and I guess everybody now has a podcast, so... I've got to get a podcast. I call it Football with Friends. That is, excuse me, an homage to my wife who came up with that idea. She said, why don't you just get friends of yours to talk football with you? I thought, boy, that's a pretty good idea. So let's do it. Let's kick off this podcast with a visit from a guy who has gotten to be a friend from afar who I met about five years ago at SEC Media Days. And I rolled up and I was talking to a couple of friends of mine that I had gotten to know the year before from doing radio with them, Mississippi, Richard Cross and Matt Wyatt. And I saw them and I waved to them. And the guy looked at me and saw my Texans logo and kind of pointed at it. And I was like, yeah, Texans. And he said, well, I know somebody with the Texans. So we sat down and we talked and he said, hey, my name is Cole Kublik. And I was like, hey, man, I, yeah, I've seen you on TV. I've heard you. Yeah, you do a pretty good job. And so we, we chatted that day. We've been on each other's radio shows. We talked about Auburn football. We've talked about... Uh, Chad Slade a lot because he was with the Texans, having played at Auburn. Uh, Cole's an offensive lineman at Auburn, and that was really – it's always funny because he'll drop those little nuggets in on Twitter every now and again. I always think those are fantastic. But he does an excellent job for the SEC Network down on the sidelines, and he also had an opportunity to cover the XFL. And we talked about all of that in my visit with Cole Kublik. It definitely has been crazy this summer. There's no doubt about that. But – my man has been getting back into the swing of things the last couple of weeks. I've, I've worked football games the last two weekends, so that's been exciting. Uh, did a little high school football down in Alabama on ESPN and had uh, Arkansas State Memphis last weekend. I was actually on the sideline for that game. So things feel like they're getting back to normal a little bit. Excited about that. A lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody else did the pandemic like, like we did. We kind of, you know, we, we hit for the, the pandemic cycle. We, uh, we, we birthed a child. We had an elective surgery. Uh, we sold oh. a house and moved and purchased a house. So oh. um, I don't know if that was smart or, or really dumb, but um, it made it go by a little bit faster, I'll tell you that. Man, talk about stay at home, shelter in place. Goodness gracious. I mean, what do they say? <laughs> the things that you're not supposed to do all at once are move, change jobs. Um, that's about the only one you didn't do. You didn't change, you didn't change jobs at that point. Fair, yeah. Although, I will say, and I want to go back to March because you and I, we're we're both down on the sidelines in different capacities. Obviously, you do radio, you do TV, and you're fantastic with what you do. And you were doing XFL games. And you had access down in the XFL games that were just fantastic. What was that like, having that access and being down there for the XFL games, and then all of a sudden that thing is just wiped out with this pandemic that strikes us? Yeah, it, it was, first off, it was so cool to be a part of it. Um, I'm excited uh, that The Rock is getting back involved in that. I'm hoping they can bring it back in a very similar fashion because I, I felt, I don't think it was working. I think it worked. Yeah. And then just due to unfortunate circumstances, it, it wasn't going to be sustainable through what we're going through right now. Um, being able to be down on the sideline in the middle of it all, talking yeah. to guys after they made a play, good or bad, hearing exactly what the coaches are talking about, literally just having my own conversations with players that I either knew or had developed relationships with. It was unbelievable. And I think the fans really appreciated it. 
I don't think we'll get anything else like it in the capacities that we work in, be it college football or the NFL. But it was really cool to be a part of. And we were actually scheduled to go back to Seattle. Uh, we actually had Seattle, L.A., Seattle were our next three trips. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was a Thursday midday on Thursday that they finally canceled our Sunday game in Seattle. And I was ready to get on a flight the next day. Uh, we had a conference call about it Thursday yep. morning. Um, our, our boss is at ESPN. Lee Fitting had us on the phone and basically just said, if you, if you want out, we get it. We understand. Um, but you know, this is what we're looking at and this is how we're going to probably treat it. And I think we all said we're in and we were ready to go. And at that point in time, it was, I mean, you think about it, it was going to be the first game I could ever remember with no fans. Yeah, yeah, and that's right. So it was, it, was, it was kind of exciting that that might be the only thing on TV that weekend because almost everything else had shut down. Uh, but you understood why it had to take place. And uh, it's, it, it was wild. I mean, to, to be working at that time and covering football at that time yeah. when it all shut down, uh, just, it gave me a totally different perspective on how quickly everything was taken away. How, what was the response, Cole, from – the, the coaches and the players, when they come off the field and you're standing there waiting for them, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, hey, Jimmy, tell me about that play. Yeah. What happened there on that particular play? Because I know that there were, there were some times early in XFL uh, days, and I don't think it was a game that you were calling, where one of the silent reporters had walked up, I think, to a kicker who had missed a kick, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is such compelling television because – Yep. Whatever he says at this moment is unlike anything we will have ever heard. What was kind of the response that you got from the coaches and players the first few times versus maybe as the season wore on where they got more used to you being there? Yeah, it was, it was mixed. And unfortunately, we worked the day after Matt McGloin had his blow up yeah. uh, with Diana Rossini and Tom Luganville. Right, right. And we had Dallas at L.A. that day. And – I tell you, first and foremost, Landry Jones is the, the consummate pro. Yeah. Total, total yeah. professional and, and completely understood it. But his head coach was Bob Stoops. And, and Bob kind of told us in our meetings, like, we're, you're not doing what, what that was. And we're like, okay, but, you know, the league has sort of directed us as to that's what they want. So we're, we're probably going to do what they want us to do. And the league had, had, had discussions with everybody. They, yeah. You knew what you were getting into. It wasn't, yep. it wasn't secret. And so sure enough, Landry throws an interception and I'm kind of standing there waiting. And, and Bob looks over to me and he says, you're not talking to him. And I said, I, I don't have to write this second, but I'm going to. And he just kind of keeps walking towards me saying, don't even think about it. You're not going to. And I totally understand it. He's protecting his player. Yeah, of course. I get it. But I also had to protect my position in my job. So I'm, I backed down for a minute or two. I let him meet with his OC. He was done. And Landry kind of looked at me and he was like, We're, I know you have to do this, so let's yeah. just get over with. And he was totally cool about it. He's like, listen, man, it's a bad throw, bad read. Um, I got to be better than that. And, you know, we're, we'll, make, we'll, we'll, come, we'll come back the next time and, and everything will be good. We won't make that mistake again. So he ended up being great. But it was – there were times when guys would come off and you knew they didn't want to talk to you. I got turned down by a couple players. Yeah. It just said – no, MFR, I'm not doing it. And <laughs> as a former player, you know, then you have to yeah. kind of just say, I'm, I'm bowing out. Like it's yeah. over. Yeah. Um, you know, that we had guys give us great responses. You had, we had guys that you knew didn't want to do it, but I think deep down inside, they knew it was best for them. Yeah. Probably best for their brand. 
uh, best for them to gain a little bit of notoriety. And so yeah. they would come talk to us. Do you think uh, that helped you? Do you think that helped you being a former player? Because yes, I know a lot of side absolutely. reporters are not. Did that help you being a former player yeah. to have any kind of connection from that way? Whether they, I don't that. I mean, when you look at you, you're obviously you're not the size you were when you played at, at Auburn, but I would imagine most guys know that you played. How did that help you? Yeah, they probably have an idea. And I, I'd be lying if I said I, I, that didn't help. Yeah. Um, but I also think, too, I had a little bit of a different perspective of knowing what you like. I, I've had snaps go over the quarterback's head. Yeah. You know, I've been on an offense where the quarterback threw an interception. Um, you know, you, you know when, when that guy's coming off the field, how much time he needs, who he needs to talk to, what he needs to do usually pretty quickly until he's ready to have that conversation. So I could kind of visually ascertain, all right, let's give him a minute. Or he, he's, he's pissed off, but I think, I think we get something good out of him and he'd be yeah. willing to talk. So I think being able to use that judgment did help me a little bit, but it, it really came down to personalities. Yeah. And that's why usually in warmups and early in the game, I would, I would always try to talk to guys, just yeah. random stuff. How you yeah. feeling today? Or you gonna get a deep ball today? Yeah. Or yeah, how, how's that D line chirping a lot? They talking to you guys? Yeah. So I was just kind of trying to have a. So they knew, and then I would I would go talk to some guys. I would go tell guys that I was gonna ask them some ludicrous question during the game. Like, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go ask you about that car you're driving right now. Just I mean, <laughs> some random. And they kind of look at me like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. But then it. But then they're like, "Oh, that's the sideline guy that's gonna yeah. be coming up and talking to me." So. I would try to find those icebreakers so when they saw me in the game, number one, they knew I was coming to talk to them. Yeah. Number two, they knew that it wasn't going to be all, you know, super reporter business-like. That right. Let's have some right. fun with this because that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Now, flash forward to last week. I'm sitting here watching Arkansas State, Memphis. They've panned you on the sidelines. Totally different. College, obviously, is totally different. But even in this world, it's that much more different. How did you find Saturday night in particular – being down there with Arkansas State, Memphis, compared to the games that you've been doing in the SEC. You've been doing games on SEC Network. The SEC knows you, but this is a whole different animal now. Yeah. We're in mass being down there. How did you find that experience? Because I know I'm going to have to encounter in, in my own different world on Thursday night against the Chiefs. I won't even be on the sidelines. But I've seen you down there, and I saw you down there, and I thought about you at that point of what you were kind of going through. How different was that process compared to what would we would call normal before. Right. I think the, the process, John, was actually what was most different, just getting there. Yeah. Um, all, of our, all of our coaches and players' meetings were done virtually, like you and I are sitting here right yep. now. And, and as you know, that's where your best information comes from. Yep. Um, actually, you know what? That's the second best place in information comes from. The first place is on the field before and during warm-ups. Yep. Because mm. that's when coaches – you know, you see them for the first time, you're next to them. They feel like they don't feel like they're trapped in the facility and <laughs> yeah. you know, they're willing to actually talk to you about maybe their plan or guys that are going to play or not play. Cause at that point in time, nobody can really share anything anyway. So it's, yeah. you know, they, they trust you and they give you some stuff. And even if it doesn't help you for that game, it helps you down the road. I miss that a lot uh, yeah. because I, I know Blake Anderson, he's fantastic. Yep. Uh, Ryan Silverfield and I have some mutual friends. We had sort of been waiting to meet one another. He was fantastic. The, the few moments I did have to speak to him. So I, it really bummed me out that I wasn't able to sort of have those conversations, talk to those yeah. guys, uh, hear about their teams, their players, a little bit more about practice. Um, that part was very different. You know, we're, we're going to be tested for COVID before every game. So I have to go in a day early. 
yep. and go through that process, uh, that's obviously a little bit different. Uh, this past game and this coming up game this weekend, I've got um, I've got Lafayette and uh, Iowa State this weekend, and doing it with Tom Hart and Mike Gold Sr. They won't be at the game with me. Uh, Bob Wachusen and Dan Rolowski were not at the game with me. Right, so right. there's a there's a little bit of just kind of feeling like you're out there on an island because you're yeah. you represent everyone there. So you have to even be another set of eyes and ears to see everything that's happening. Once the game started, it was the game. Yeah, I, I'm focused in now. It was it was obviously I'm wearing a mask. That's different. I'm trying to stay socially distant from everyone. <laughs> that was different. Yeah. Uh, um, there were, di- there were different zones I could and could not be because uh, I could not go on the playing field at any time, not for warm-ups, not after the game, at nothing. no point in time, nothing. And obviously sidelines from goes from 50 yards in width to 70 yards in width. That's very different. So that that kind of stuff changed it a little bit. But once the game got going, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm watching the O-line, the D-line. I'm watching scheme. Yeah. I'm watching how guys are acting on the sideline. I'm, I'm trying to give my producers some tips as to what I see and what the, what, what's changing. Not a lot was different, really, yeah. uh, once, it, once it got going. That's second week in a row that's happened to me. I get the second, third series of the game, and it's there. there's no COVID. There's no election. There's no murder hornets. It's like <laughs> football for about three hours. And it's been yeah. really nice and really cool because I've needed it. It's like we all need it. But yeah. – um, the, the process leading in has changed a lot, and it was yeah. very different. Uh, some of what I had to do while I was down there was a little bit different. But once the game got going, yeah. I mean, it was, it was just a game for me. Nicole, you do such a great job down on the sidelines, and you also have Jordan Rogers, Tom Hart. You do SEC games with each and every Saturday night. And I try to make a point no matter where we are, whether we're at home or on the road, try and catch you guys at least for a little bit you guys seem to have a really good rapport. Am I, am I wrong in that? It feels like the broadcast that I get with you guys is, is basically three guys just talking ball and there just happens to be a game going on because it seems that you guys really value each other's thoughts. They value your thoughts. You obviously value theirs. And it feels like I've got more than just, here's a play, here's a play. Let's go down and report. Let's see. It feels like it's one three-and-a-half-hour-long conversation, you guys talking ball. Do you kind of feel that way? What's to that rapport that you have with those two guys? Uh, those two have legitimately become uh, almost a part of my family and they are my work family for obvious reasons, but for more reasons than that, um, you know, Tom, Tom's one of my best friends on this planet. We talk literally almost every day. Like my, my phone rings at certain points in time and my wife will say, Tom, and I'm like, yeah, (laughs) she's like, well, go ahead, go ahead and get it. Um, Tom passes through town, you know, he stops by and, He'll have a glass of wine with my wife. Jordan comes in for SEC media days. He has dinner at the house. Like yeah. they know my kids, my kids know them. Yeah. Um, we're friends. We are legitimately friends. We don't, we're not forced to work together. We want to work together. We like working together. I think we all respect one another. We respect our knowledge of the game. We respect our talent each individually. And so we all want the others to be as good or better than, than we are that game or any game. Um, and we just have fun. And I, and I think I think we all three have the same mindset that anything that's fun is going to be better, no matter what it is. Yeah. And so we sort of bring that approach. If we need to get hardcore X's and O's, we can do it. Uh, if Jordan needs to go into some sort of route tree, if I need to go into some sort of blocking scheme, uh, you know, if Tom needs to tell a serious story about something that happened to a player or coach off the field, we can do all those things. Yeah. Um, but we don't have anyone who feels like, they have to be the focal point of the broadcast each and every week. 
And I think that's one thing that separates us. And we can give each other a hard time. Nobody's feelings are getting hurt. Yeah. Um, you know, we obviously working in the SEC for three years in a row, we know all the leagues, we know the town, we know the players, we know the, the we know the systems, we know the we know the, the facilities. So we can we can bring a little extra element in because we all know so many things about all the town. Assuming Tom's doing SEC basketball and baseball, so yeah, I mean, he knows more about the athletic departments than Jordan and I do. So. It's just uh, it's just one of those things where – I mean, I've done radio with a lot of different people. Yeah. Sometimes it just worked. You know this. Yep. Yep. Sometimes it's never going to work. It doesn't matter who it is or how hard they try or you try. It's just that right. chemistry is not going to be there. Um, there was almost an immediate chemistry with us. I, yeah. I remember the first game – one of the first games we did that they actually opened up my microphone and left it open the whole time. I was really – I was a little <laughs> nervous about I don't want to step on these guys. I don't want to – if I yeah, get in yeah. too early, they're going to think, oh, hell, here comes Kubik. He thinks he's going to yeah. own the broadcast. And, like, two plays go by, and I get a text, and I look down, and it's Jordan. And he's like, dude, get in. Let's go. Like, like yeah, yeah. get your ass in here. Like, let's yeah. start talking some football. So, it's just – it just works. I mean, yeah. honestly. And, and we are – I think it, it, it works because we are legitimately friends. We legitimately care about one another outside of work and being on camera and, you know, doing things for television. Um, we, we, we hang out when we're around one another. Uh, we, you know, they ask about my kids. I ask about their kids, their situation. Jordan and Joseph don't have kids, but, you know, we <laughs> want to know what's going on in their lives. They want to know what's going on in our lives. And it's just, um, I mean, they, they legitimately are I mean, my extended family. And I yeah. think that's, that's why it works so well. Outside of your alma mater, uh, you talk about going to all the different SEC locations. I've been to a few of them. I, I think probably about five, maybe. What's your favorite trip to take? In the SEC, can I can I do it any time of the year? Sure, like on the absolutely. Calendar? That matters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, outside of Auburn, it's LSU, but yeah. not not in September. <laughs> you got to at least get me to the like the second weekend of October because it's so damn hot down there. It's just, so brutally even... humid, man. I mean, it's, it's like just, I, ugh. Gainesville's just... the same way. I when I first started coaching, I lived in Jacksonville, and a buddy of mine was a Gator, and he was like, "Come on down!" Like he would give me tickets. We go down. And I was like, these September games, man, are just brutal. I mean, yeah. brutal. And I mean, they would kick at 6.30 and it's still like 95 yeah. degrees and 100% humidity. You're like, I, this is ridiculous. So, yes, understood completely. The, the thing with LSU is it really is, it's just, it's just different in a lot of ways. Um, the fans, the, the feel when you walk in that same, and I played there twice, 2-0, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. But when I was on the last Auburn team that won there which is kind of cool and kind of pathetic at the same wow. time. Yeah. Um, but so many of them are so special. Uh, you, like Athens, not just the stadium and, and the traditions there, but like the town is so yeah. cool. It's like this little hipster, you know, town that's almost feels like it's trapped in the fifties in a lot of ways, yeah, but yeah. In, in a very cool way. Yeah. Um, you know, Lexington is a really cool town that the, Lexington's in game environment has gotten so much better and it's yeah. so underrated. South Carolina is probably the most underrated game atmosphere in the country. Um, not so much the town. And listen, my fam- I got a ton of family in Columbia. It's not a yeah, college yeah. town. Yeah. Um, Ole Miss is, is probably the coolest college town and obviously the best pregame atmosphere that you're going to find anywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, Starkville knows how to make things really cool. You mentioned Gainesville. Like, I've got some bad memories playing in that place. And the proximity of the fans to the field just makes that place loud and different and Oh, Knox. God, it just dawned on me. Were you on that 96 team? Yeah, it was. Oh, God. It was bad. 
I was there that day, and I don't know that I ever saw a football team play at a higher clip than the way Florida played oh, that day. Oh, it was day. insane. Yeah, that was and almost they, and, every week for them. And I remember that night, if I remember correctly, they played you guys in LSU back-to-back weeks, if I remember correctly, and they just they just dismantled yeah, both they of you. And I was like, oh, yeah. my gosh. They dismantled everybody except Florida State, and then they dismantled Florida State. In the yeah, bullshit. exactly. So yeah, then they got Florida team, State back. That yeah. team was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, like, like when Knoxville, when Tennessee's rolling, Knoxville's oh, yeah. super special, man. You get off the interstate and you see that Vol Navy. Yeah, yeah. There ain't nothing else like that anywhere. Yeah. Um, so there's just there's so many really cool places in this league. It's hard to just say one. Yeah. But but LSU separates itself a little bit from everywhere else. Well, your buddy and mine, a guy that you worked with before you got with Jordan and with Tom, was my good friend Andre Ware. And Andre was doing a broadcast the other day at Marshall Eastern Kentucky. And like you were talking about with Bob Wischusen and Dan Orlovsky, they were not with you. Andre was at his house, and he's calling a game. I'm, I'm just banging texts to him. I'm just trying to mess with him. But Marshall's quarterback, Grant Wells, was unbelievable. And so we got a conversation going. And then I hear him make the comment about Texas A&M being beyond LSU this year. And I know how Dre feels about Texas A&M down deep. <laughs> I know how he feels. Not a lot of people know that that whole story. Yeah, that I, took, I know. It. That took a lot for him to say that. Are you buying that A&M over LSU? Because by the way, uh, I think Tiger Droppings and LSU fans were none too pleased with that comment when he made yeah. it. Yeah, I um, I wasn't until Jamar Chase and Tyler Sheldon opted yeah. out. Yeah. And that sort of pushed me off the LSU ledge. Um, I still think there are a lot of positives coming back with that team. Um, Apuika and Glenn Logan will still be back on the D-line. Yep. They got Jabril Cox, the linebacker transfer from North Dakota yep. State. I think he's going to be good. Uh, obviously, Derek Stingley might be the best defensive player in the country. Jacoby Stevens is the kid everybody needs to know about. He, he's got a chance to be a first-round pick at safety. He's all yep. over the film when you watch him, but nobody talks about him. Um, they got a couple offensive linemen with experience. They got a quarterback that's at least been in the system. Yeah. So they got some guys, but it's just so much that's gone. And the turnover has to be impactful. Texas A&M has a lot of the pieces. The O-line can be good. Spiller looked pretty good at tailback last year. I, th- I love Kellen Mond. I think he's fantastic. I think people love to hate on him for some reason, but I think he's great. And he's got a good group of receivers. They had some injuries at tight end, but Weidermeyer's still going to be back. And I think they got they got a great offensive mind in Jimbo and a great defensive mind in Elko. Both those guys can flat out coach. And Elko's going to have a good D line: Bobby Brown, Marvin Leal, Michael Clemens. They lost their best corner in Elijah Blaze, who opted out. But A and M is still sort of in that I, I need to see it to believe it yep. category. Yeah. So um, I would if I, if we're just straight ranking them right now, I probably have A and M over LSU. I did have A and M over LSU until they redid the schedule. Because yeah, A&M, yeah. A&M had this nice schedule that they could, like, just slow yep. – like, the slow ascent into the season. And they had, like, Auburn week, like, seven. And then they had LSU and Bama to close the season out. And I'm like, man, they could be 10-0 and 0 and then yep. split the last two and be looking at a playoff berth. And now, now they got Bama week two. It's a, little, it's a little bit different now. They got Florida on there, and they still have Auburn and, and Mississippi State and LSU. Yeah. So, the schedule's a little bit different, but – I do think there's a chance that A&M could exceed some expectations this year. Cole, you're the absolute best, my friend. I could talk ball with you forever, but we both have lives to live. So, man, thank you so much, my friend. And hopefully, we'll How about this? I'll drop soon. one more thing on you. Okay. The next, time he, the next time he does a game, 
Did you notice the placement of the Heisman Trophy when Andre was doing that game? <laughs> I, so it's actually, like the nameplate is like just barely up in the corner. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you, you won the Heisman. Like put it on the mantle in front of you. I, and like just do the game with that thing sitting right there at chest level the whole game. Like what, what are you doing hiding so the Heisman? I'll tell you this one. So I'll tell you this one. So this is 2018 draft night one. And so we, I always do the draft. I do it all the way through. And so we were trying to find like, you know, Dre doesn't like doing the draft, but we're like, look, the Texans aren't making a pick. You know, we're just talking about play. You know, a lot of these players, you know, the SEC really well. Well, also that off season, he had a chance to, to, he was the only guy that was allowed to interview Lamar Jackson. The only guy, his mom was, his mom let him do it. The Heisman connection, all that kind of stuff. So it's in the draft and the draft is moving on and, you know, Lamar is, I guess, falling, I, I guess. And so at some point, he just smacks me and he just takes his phone. And I look over at his phone and his phone's got the Heisman. The background is the Heisman. Right. And there's just one text, all about five or six words. And it just says, Lamar Jackson. And he's sending him texts back and forth during the draft. And I was like, he's got a Heisman background. He's got a Heisman winner on there. They're texting each other during the draft. I was like, holy cow and then a few minutes later he ends up getting taken by the Ravens and he just he I mean he loves Lamar so it was uh it was really neat to see that but I see his screen it just says Heisman he doesn't he doesn't like to talk about it a lot but there are times when it's almost like he's got that ace in his pocket that when he needs to put it out there you know he will it's like yeah it's Andre where he won a Heisman I was like whoa but he doesn't he doesn't do it much but when he does it it's like bang. Oh, it kind of hits you right in the face. But him having that conversation with Lamar, I'll never forget to see Lamar Jackson on Dre's phone. And there's the Heisman trophy. He's got his background screen. It was pretty cool. The the coolest moment that we had, we did Mississippi state at BYU and you don't really have an understanding of, of what that trophy means and what that fraternity is. And Ty Detmer was their OC at the time. And he comes walking in and it's like they had been playing golf together every day for the last two weeks. It's amazing. Like immediate respect, immediate, yep. you know, smile, happy, tell you everything. And I was just like, so that's what it's like to, uh, to win the Heisman and then have a conversation with another guy that won the Heisman. I've never experienced that, but seems cool. It's such a, it's such a neat fraternity. I mean, Dre talks about all the guys that he knows that he can just pick up the phone and call because that guy won the Heisman. And there's just yeah. this immediate connection. It's absolutely it's unbelievable. Cole, you're unbelievable, man. Thank you very much. Uh, and hopefully we'll get a chance to do this again soon, my friend. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Honestly, I could have talked to Cole for about two or three more hours or days or weeks. I just love talking to people that are passionate about ball and passionate about the people that play it, that call it, that coach it, that uh, spend their lifetimes in it. And Cole is definitely one of those guys. And I, man, I could talk to him forever. Next time I get him on, we're going to talk about that Auburn late 1990s, late 1990s team that he was a part of. I, as I said to him, I was in the, I was in Gainesville. Um, I was actually at that game in 96 against Auburn and it was, it was brutal. I, that 96 Florida team was as good as any team. And then we'll do that on a podcast at some point. The best teams that we saw. I know if you saw 2019 LSU last year, you saw them, but that team was so very good. And you can see it now in the NFL. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, what he did against my Texans. 
You saw Joey B, Joey Burrow do some good things in his first start uh, against the Chargers. Should have gotten a win, but the OPI against A.J. Green. So that LSU team was phenomenal. I, I think the best I've seen live was 96 Florida. They were pretty darn good. I saw 2012 Alabama, 2012 Georgia. Alabama were very, very good in 2012. I mean, obviously went on and won it. Uh, I saw 2012 A&M. That was a very good team that beat the Alabama team uh, in Tuscaloosa. I saw 99 Florida State. That team went number one wire to wire. I think it was the only Bobby Bowden team to do that, to go wire to wire all the way. Undefeated, won it with Peter Warwick. When they had Peter Warwick in the lineup, that team was as good as anybody I, I had seen. So I, I've seen some good ones. But that 96 Florida team, at that point when they played Auburn, because they played Auburn and LSU back-to-back, and they put 50 burgers on both of them back-to-back weeks. It was to a point where I went down to go, I think it was the LSU game. I went down to go watch the LSU game because I had, I had tickets. And so I had to take either the GREs or GMATs or some standardized test. So I scheduled a ticket at Florida. So I went to take it at U of F. And then after that was over, I just walked over to the stadium and watched the game. I was so tired. I'd left like four in the morning. I was so tired. And the game was such a blowout. Halftime I was like, I got to go. And it was like 45 to 12 or something at half. It was just crazy. I'll have to fact check myself a little later on in that. But it was such a blowout. I was like, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> and Florida ended up finishing the job. But I think they put 50 burgers back-to-back weeks on Auburn LSU in 96. That's how good that team was. Okay. We're getting into, boy, we're one week away from the SEC. So we're getting into a little bit more of the schedule, trying to get everybody to play. And obviously, the big news that came down on Wednesday, the fact that the Big Ten will play, that will start in mid to late October. So the Big Ten is coming back. Pac-12 players are fighting like uh, like they can. I'm on. I'm on. Ross St. Brown wrote to the governor. Look, governor, let us play. We want to play. So the Pac-12 now seeing all of the Big Five conferences, Power Five conferences in now because the Pac- Big Ten is back. The Pac-12 wants in. At least the players want in. What's stopping them, or what's in the way for them, are some state regulations in both California, Oregon, and some of those places that I don't know. The Pac-12, I'm sorry, the other conferences didn't have to overcome those. But it looks like Pac-12 will have to overcome those. Even if Larry Scott says, yeah, yeah, we're coming back, we're coming back. The state legislature would have to make exceptions in those particular states. That's going to be a little bit, a little bit tricky. A little bit tricky. So no Pac-12, SEC next week. But we got a decent slate of games starting on Thursday. Uh, excuse me, starting on uh, Friday, it's Campbell at Coastal Carolina. Let's go beyond that. Let's get to Saturday, September 19th, and let's pick these games. You know what? Let's fire through these games. I'll tell you what I like. I'll give you my predictions straight up and against the spread. Tell you what to think, but I need a little music. Music is what I need when I do my predictions. I got to have it. There's some football music. I guess that'll work. That's just music. So let's do it. Let's start on September 19th. All right. Boston College goes to Duke. Duke and Chase Bryce, I thought, looked pretty good at Notre Dame. They couldn't stop Kyron Williams after a while. Duke a little banged up on the defensive line throughout the game. Lost Chris Rump for some periods, but I think he'll be back. Duke is favored at home against Boston College, who has not played a game 
yet. You know what, though? I'm going to roll with Boston College. I think that team was led by Tyler Vrabel out of tackle. There's no A.J. Dillon, but I think Boston College has got enough to get inside the number, give Duke the win, get Boston College inside that five and a half. Syracuse goes to Pitt, second straight week. Syracuse is on the road. This Pitt defensive line is unbelievably good, and the best defensive lineman isn't even there. Let's give the win to Pitt. They're favored by 21 and a half. It's a little rich. I think Syracuse will get inside that number. They were unable to hold on in the fourth quarter. I think Syracuse will play a little better in the fourth quarter, but not good enough to beat Pitt. Take the Panthers to win, but take the orange to cover. Oklahoma State gets on the field for the first time, as does Tulsa. It's our first look at Spencer Sanders and Chuba Hubbard. This Oklahoma State team that had a lot of irons in the fire, a lot of players coming back, feeling very, very good about what they have on that Cowboys sideline. I'm rolling with Oklahoma State. Might be a little bumpy early on, but Oklahoma State's got the experienced offensive line. They got Chuba Hubbard. I think they'll take care of business, and they will win and cover the 22-point spread. This one just got on the board last week, and I love it. Houston goes to Baylor. Clayton Toon will be the unquestioned number one quarterback for the Cougars. They've had games canceled. They've had to prepare for different teams. Baylor's had to prepare for different teams, led by Charlie Brewer at quarterback. This will be Dave Aranda's first game at McLean Stadium. It's his first game as a head coach, coaching for the Baylor Bears. I'm going to take the Bears in a close one. I think Dana Holgerson will have it going for Houston. So this feels like a 37-35 kind of game, 35-31 kind of game. Go back and forth, but I think Baylor... We'll scratch and claw and get just a little bit more. So go with the Baylor Bears to beat the Houston Cougars on Saturday. Cincinnati gets a visit from Austin P. Austin P. struggled last week at Pitt. No line on this game. Cincinnati will win and win big. Desmond Ritter, the guy you definitely got to watch for Cincinnati. Navy takes on Tulane. Tulane was down big last week to South Alabama, but came back from behind. Willie Fritz. Tulane Green Wave gets the win. Navy did not look good in the opener. They will look better in this one. But I don't think it'll matter. Tulane's a seven-point favorite. I'm going with Tulane to win and to cover at home in New Orleans. Liberty goes to Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky, D'Angelo Malone out on the edge is going to be a problem for anybody. I do think Hugh Freeze leading Liberty. They'll keep this closer than the experts think. Let's go with Western Kentucky to win, but Liberty to get inside that 14-point spread. Then we go to Atlanta, where Georgia State gets a visit from number 19-ranked University of Louisiana. That's right, the Raging Cajuns are a 16.5-point favorite on the road. Georgia State is yet to play this year, and they're playing at home, and Louisiana's got to come off the high of that game against Iowa State. I do think the Raging Cajuns will win. Levi Lewis will get it done. He threw the deep ball to Peter LeBlanc last week. I think that Louisiana will get the win, but Georgia State will keep it closer than 16 and a half. Go with ULL to win, Georgia State to cover. USF got a win last week and will now travel to Notre Dame. It took the Irish a little bit of time to get going, but finally at offensive line, Started clicking a little bit. Kyron Williams, the running back, got rolling. 
Defensively, Isaiah Foskey at defensive end. Looks like he is a future star. I think 24 and a half is pretty rich, but I think the Irish kind of worked some of the kinks out and they will win by 28 or more, which is more than 24 and a half. So take Notre Dame to win and to cover over the South Florida Bulls. Stephen F. Austin goes to UTSA. I like UTSA in this one. What a hard-fought overtime win over Texas State last week. My goodness, what a game that was. Go with the Roadrunners. No line on this game. Roadrunners to win at home over the Lumberjacks. This one's going to be kind of interesting. UCF had 10 players opt out, including uh, their quarterback. Georgia Tech got a surprising win on the road last week. Again, uh, with Jeff Sims, a true freshman at quarterback out of Sandalwood High School, very familiar with the Jacksonville area. Georgia Tech down 10 nothing, came back and won that game 16-13. Jeff Collins' team is going to turn a corner. And I think they're, they've got the formula. I don't know if that's the kind of win over Florida State where they're kind of fat and happy now and then UCF brings it back to reality. I don't think that's the case. UCF's favored by 7.5 at Georgia Tech. I don't like that at all. I think Georgia Tech's going to surprise. I'm going to take Georgia Tech for the outright win and obviously a cover over UCF. North Carolina got it going in the fourth quarter against Syracuse. Sam Howell was outstanding in that fourth quarter. Charlotte, they went up to App State, battled. Will Healy's got that team playing really hard, but I think North Carolina find it. North Carolina found its sea legs in the fourth quarter against Syracuse. UNC favored by 29 and a half. Don't like that number at all. I like North Carolina to win. I'm going to get Charlotte to cover. I think they get inside that. This feels like a 21 to 28 point spread. So 29 and a half is a little rich. Charlotte to cover. North Carolina to win outright. Georgia Southern's at home taking on Florida Atlantic. The Eagles got a win last week. Let's go with Georgia Southern in a very close game. And Georgia Southern's favored by one. So pretty much straight up. So let's go Georgia Southern to win and to cover at home. FAU yet to play this year. App State gets a big win. This is going to be a tremendous football game. This is 2.30 on CBS. This is a tremendous game in the afternoon. Appalachian State is going to Marshall. Appalachian State with Charlotte kind of back and forth for a little bit. Pulled away in the second half. Marshall's Grant Wells, quarterback, went off against Eastern Kentucky. They had last week off. App is a three App State is a three and a half point favorite on the road at Marshall. Boy, Marshall fans aren't gonna want to see that. I'm gonna go with App State in this one. I think the number's about right. Let's go with App State to win and to cover that three and a half. Clemson gets a visit from the Citadel. Now Clemson's missing Justin Ross and a few other players, but I don't think it matters. Clemson wins big. No line in this game, so Clemson will win. If the Citadel wins, oh, good Lord. Middle Tennessee State has taken on Troy. Middle Tennessee State struggled out of the gates, got an L, taken on Troy, seeing its first action of the year. I like the Trojans in this one. They're favored by three and a half on the road. I don't think the road will matter too much. I think Troy is going to end up getting that win. Up in the Metroplex. SMU is going to take on North Texas. Bouchelle, Mr. Bouchelle and company. Shane Bouchelle, Steve Bouchelle. I always get him confused who's son and who's, who's father. But either way, Mr. Bouchelle, 
throw it around the yard a little bit on North Texas. I think North Texas, Seth Luttrell is a fantastic football coach. But I don't think it'll be enough. SMU favored by 14 and a half. Let's go to North Texas to get inside that number playing at home. But SMU to get the win. Louisville and Miami, this is probably the best game of the day. Louisville loaded with speed. Loaded with speed. JV and Hawkins, 2-2 Atwell. They are jacked with speed. Miami, though, got a boost from Houston transfer Derek King. I think Louisville's a better football team. Miami's going to miss Greg Russo at some point. I think Louisville's got too many athletes. Scott Satterfield's a whale of a coach. I think Louisville's much better coach than they have been in a while. I think Louisville wins this game. They win it by a touchdown, so they cover that two and a half. Give Louisville the win at home in prime time. Texas State goes to Louisiana Monroe. Boy, Texas State taking a couple of them on a chin to SMU and UTSA. I think Texas State will finally get the win at Monroe. Monroe lost last week to Army. Give Texas State the win and the cover the spread there four and a half. Louisiana Tech goes to Southern Miss. Louisiana Tech started the season kind of bouncing around to a lot of different places, it seems. Because of COVID, they finally will get it going this weekend. They'll take on Southern Miss. Southern Miss, new coach going in this one after Jay Hobson let go after the first game. USM's favored by five and a half. I don't know if I'd love that, but I think with some emotion, playing for interim coach Scotty Walden, I'm taking Southern Miss to win. And you know what? They'll win by a touchdown, so give them the cover. NC State's taking on Wake Forest. Wake no match last week for Clemson. Not surprising. But Sam Hartman looked good. He had a sure touchdown, deep ball dropped. That would have kept the score a little bit closer than it was. I think Sam can do some things. Boogie Basham on the other side is one of the better pass rushers in the country. NC State getting started for the first time this year. I think the Wolfpack will win this game, but it's going to be very, very close. I think it's a three-point win. The line is two and a half, but it's a little rich, so I would stay away from it. But I'm going to give the Wolfpack of NC State the win. And you know what? Let's give them the cover, even though I think uh, that number is probably right where it needs to be. And then your late Pac-12 after dark game, well, a game masquerading in that, is UTEP taking on Abilene Christian. UTEP got housed last week by the University of Texas. And Abilene Christian, the Southland Conference is not playing a full schedule this year. Last week, HBU went to Texas Tech, one of the three games that were playing in the fall, and had Texas Tech on the ropes. Could not convert a two-point conversion, lost 35-33. Can Abilene Christian do that same thing? I think they can. But in the end, UTEP will come away with a big win at home. All right, those are all your games scheduled for this week starting September 19th. Cannot wait. Next week, we'll have SEC. Next week, we'll have another guest. I got my eyes on a certain person. I hope I can get in touch with him and have him on because I think he'll be absolutely fantastic. But we will do all that next week. Thank you so much to everybody for listening to the inaugural Football with Friends podcast with me, John Harris. And we're just going to be talking ball with my friends and you. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.